0: Welcome to the old radio. <laughs> the the old radio. Co- the old the old ra- It's the old radio comedy podcast. It's episode 26 here on the Old Radio Comedy Podcast, and another Hump Day Happy Hour edition. I'm Greg Fordyce. Today, we're bringing you two back-to-back episodes from that great classic radio sitcom, The Life of Riley. And we bring it to you thanks to a listener suggestion. A big thank you to Mandy Spanner from Peoria, Illinois, for the suggestion. Now, Mandy left it to me to pick the actual episodes, so I've chosen two. I hope everyone enjoys The Life of Riley was an incredibly popular radio sitcom that ran from January 16, 1944 to June 29, 1951, originally on ABC's Blue Network and later on NBC Radio, and starred William Bendix in the title role. Bendix played Chester A. Riley, a wing riveter at the Cunningham Aircraft Plant in California. His wife, Peg, was played by Paula Winslow and also as his mother-in-law. John Brown played Digby Digger O'Dell and also Riley's co-worker, Jim Gillis, and Sharon Douglas played Riley's daughter, Babs. His son, Junior, was played by Tommy Cook, Scotty Beckett, and Bobby Ellis during the show's run. Shirley Mitchell played Honeybee Gillis, Hans Conried as Uncle Baxter, and Alan Reed played several characters, including Riley's boss and also his father-in-law. A little-known fact about the series is that the producer of the show was former Marx brother Gummo Marx, who had left performing with his brothers to become an agent. The show also made the transition to television, running from October 4th, 1949 to March 28th, 1950 for one season, and it is the first TV show to have ever won an Emmy Award, with Groucho Marx receiving credit as the story writer. Now, sit back. Relax and get ready to laugh as we bring you the April 9th, 1944 and April 30th, 1944 episodes of The Life of Riley right after this message.
2: Meat is the yardstick of protein foods because meat measures up to every protein meat. The American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley, a half hour with radio's friendliest family, and starring William Bendix as Riley. You've heard it said that meat has the right kind of proteins. Now what does this mean? Well, simply this. Meat contains all ten of the essential protein substances which the body must have for growth and tissue repair and all the other purposes for which the body needs protein. Meat is called the yardstick of protein foods because meat measures up to every protein need. And now, the life of Riley. As we look in on the doings in the household of war worker Riley, it is early morning. And if we may be permitted to turn the calendar back, it is two days before Easter Sunday. Riley and Peg, his ever-loving, ever-patient spouse, are having breakfast
3: in the kitchen. Wow! Six after seven now. If I don't hurry, I'll miss the 10.30 bus.
1: You mean 7.30 bus.
3: About 7.30 to us, but the driver just came to California last week from Brooklyn and... He insists on using Eastern time.
4: <laughs> hey, Pop, huh? I've been looking over these plans you made for my rabbit hutch. Neat, huh? Yeah, but, Pop, this is an awful small hutch.
3: Well, it's for only one rabbit. This is strictly a bachelor apartment.
1: Oh, Pop, can I have two rabbits? Just two?
3: Junior, there is no such thing as just two rabbits. <laughs>
5: going in the yard and build part of it before school. I want to have it ready by Sunday.
3: Riley,
1: we'll have an early dinner this evening. Don't forget, we have to do a little Easter shopping.
3: You know something, Peg? I don't think this Easter we ought to spend money on clothes we don't need. If people go around throwing their dough away on stuff they don't need, then the first thing you know, everybody in this country will be inflated. Well, I guess
5: you're right, dear.
3: <laughs> but don't forget, Dublin, you're getting a new hat.
1: Oh, no. Riley, I can make the old one do.
3: Ah, no, you can't. Them cherries on it are getting pretty worn out. (laughs) The pits are beginning to show.
1: Well, don't worry. I'm taking the cherries off and putting on some flowers. Ah,
3: Use flowers with short stems. Last night in the movie, I sat behind a lady with a hat that looked like a victory garden. The only thing missing was a gopher.
5: (laughs) Good morning, my dear
3: Riley. Good morning, my dear Margaret. <sighs> Uncle Baxter, up at seven o'clock. Pinch me, Peg. I must be asleep.
1: No, oh, you're awake, Riley. It is Uncle Baxter.
3: Then pinch him. He must be asleep.
5: <laughs>
3: no, I assure you, my dear nephew, I'm fully awake. I've got a busy day ahead of me. Since Easter Sunday is almost upon us... I must procure my regalia. Top hat, cutaways, striped trousers, ascot.
1: Riley, hurry or you'll be late.
3: Oh, I've got plenty of time. Uh, <clears throat> naturally, these clothes cost a bit of money. Uh, Riley... You're right, Mom. I'm late. i got to be going. No, <laughs> so wait, Riley. If I can make the sacrifice of getting up at this ungodly hour, the least you can do is to listen to me. I have a plan. Okay, I'm listening with an open mind and a closed pocket. What's it all about, Uncle Baxter? Well, the Inglewood Tribune is having a roving photographer on the boulevard on Sunday. He will snap the best-dressed man in the Easter parade who will receive a prize of $200. I will be that man. Fat shit With a million other guys walking down the boulevard at the same time... Oh, it's inevitable that I win because with my new outfit, I will naturally cut the most striking figure... Besides, I shall bring pressure to bear on this photographer. I'll cut him in for 10% of my winnings.
1: Well, it would be nice if you could win $200. Oh, that's only the beginning.
3: Having been selected best-dressed man, I will be on the threshold of a lucrative career posing for advertising. In every magazine, you'll see my photograph. Yeah, and underneath it'll say, this old man didn't eat vitamins as a boy. Riley, by investing a paltry sum, you'll be able to see me staring up at you from the pages of every magazine. You'll see Turnbull in morning clothes, Turnbull in afternoon clothes, Turnbull in evening clothes. Uncle Baxter, I worked too hard for my dough. And I ain't spending any of it to make you a pinup up boy. Very well. You want to wreck my entire career, so be it. Oh,
1: come on, Uncle Baxter, eat some breakfast. No,
3: no, no food, please. I shall go to my room. Before I go, I want to say one thing. I am hurt.
5: Oh.
1: (laughs) Riley, he must be hurt. He refused breakfast. He loves breakfast.
3: Ah, don't worry, Dublin. Before I'm going five minutes, he'll surrender. And the white flag he'll wave will be a napkin. (laughs)
1: yet? Yes, Junior, but your father's not home yet. Mother, well, to tell the truth, I feel kind of sorry about Uncle Baxter. Well, Babs, I'm ashamed of him. He's acting like a spoiled child. Oh, your father's coming now. Now, don't say anything, or he'll get excited. And then the first.
3: Hiya, Dumplin. Hiya, kids. Oh, hi, Hello, Daddy. Hey, uh, Peg. Where is the Inglewood's uh, fashion plate?
1: Oh, Uncle Baxter's sulking
3: in his room, Pop. He is, huh?
1: He hasn't come out since 7 this morning. He didn't even
2: come out to listen to the racing results on the radio.
3: He didn't. He must be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got a little surprise for him that'll bring him back to life.
1: Riley, don't tell me you got him a new Easter outfit. Oh, that
3: was
4: sweet of you. Well,
3: I got to thinking what a lucky guy I am. I got a good job. I got a pretty nice wife. Oh, Couple of fair kids.
5: Just fair. Swell house.
3: Poor old Uncle Baxter with nothing to think about except getting dressed up for Easter.
1: Oh, it was a very generous thought, dear.
3: And then, uh, you know, if he should win that $200 prize, and if he used it to buy a train ticket back east, we'd be rid of him. Oh. I figure it don't pay to be too selfish.
5: Uncle Baxter! Uncle Baxter,
3: come on out. Dad has some news for you. Yes, if... Patty Carnegie will poke his head out. He will learn something.
1: Come on out, Uncle Baxter. Dinner's waiting.
3: Yeah. And if he don't shovel in some grub soon, that cutaway coat I got him won't fit. Did someone call? I thought I heard voices babbling of cutaway coats. (laughs) Oh, but you're empty-handed, Riley. Is this a ruse? Oh, no. On the level, Uncle Baxter. You're getting a complete new outfit to wear Easter. It's on its way now.
5: Riley,
6: Riley, Glenn. You bless you, my dear nephew, bless you. (laughs) All right, all
3: right, stop hugging me. (laughs) Riley, my boy, as soon as I win the $200, I will pay you every cent my wardrobe cost you. Okay, Uncle Baxter, and you can make it in very easy payments because it didn't cost me nothing.
1: What? Riley, how in the world... I got it
3: free off of Barney Tate, the classy clothier. He rents out high-class clothes. But I told him the way Uncle Baxter wears clothes, he's a cinch to win the prize and that's good advertising for Barney's business. Rent-a-tune, eh? Well, it's better than nothing. Riley, I'll not let you nor know good old Barney down.
1: Well, I'll get it. Hey, Pop, here's the man with a suit.
6: In here, Barney, right this
3: way.
1: Well, I'll go see about the food. Come on, Barbara. Uncle Baxter wants to try on his clothes.
5: Call us when you're
6: dressed. Okay. All right, Jets. Here's Barney with the body trim. Now, how do I embellish? <laughs> Barney, I want you to meet Mr. Turnbull. Charmed, Barney. Charmed. Mm, a little taller than the dummy I got in a store. <laughs> huh? I said
3: you're a little tall in the height. Yeah. And he's also a little heavy in the weight. Well, but he sure can wear clothes, Barney. He'll win in a walk. Oh, yes, of course I shall. Now, may I try on my togs? Hey, <laughs> okay, wait a minute. My togs.
6: This is strictly a loan out. Here. Here's a striped pants. Oh. <clears throat> Oh, splendid. Splendid. These trousers fit like a glove. Yes, sir. Now, slip off your shirt. That's it. And uh, put Richard on. Richard? This dickie.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't think of wearing a dicky. Put on the dickie, Uncle Baxter. The vest will come with the rest of the shirt that ain't there. Here, let me help you. Uh. Oh. But Riley, the end of it keeps popping up into my face
6: but I thought you knew how to dress classy. What do you think that string is tied to the dickie for?
3: Well, sure, Uncle Dexter. Just slip the string down your pants leg and tie it around your ankle. (laughs) Ain't you never read Esquire?
6: (laughs) Now, uh, put on this ascot tie. It's uh, pre-tied in
3: advance. Look at it. A perfect knot. The confounded tie won't stay in place. Oh, Lummocks, use the piece of
6: string on it.
3: Oh. Yeah, Uncle Bax,
6: all you gotta do is tie it to the dicky. If I have no shirt, just this dicky, what about cuffs? Here they are. Catch them. Now, be careful of them ruby cufflinks. They sent me back six bits.
7: <laughs> How on earth will I keep these cuffs on? Ain't you never dressed formal?
6: There's a string attached to each cuff. Oh. tie it to the suspenders. Certainly, you're just tie it to
5: the susp...
3: Hey, Barney. Yeah? There's no suspenders. Why well, do you think those strings are dangling from the pants?
5: <laughs> That's, it.
3: That's it. Oh, gee, Uncle Baxter. With all them strings on you, you look like a bass fiddle.
5: <laughs> yep,
3: yep, and here's your coat.
6: Come on, try it on. Thank
5: you.
6: There. Yeah, Riley, you was right.
3: This guy's crawling with class. Didn't I tell you? Baxter, if I didn't know it was you, I'd think you was an undertaker.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you look great. Thank you, Roger. you. Well, here's the finishing
6: touches. Gloves, cane, top hat. Huh? There you are, Baxter. You're all dressed from tip to toe. Well, I dare say I cut a dashing figure. Hmm? Yep. Wait a minute. Uh, there's one more thing. Yeah, what's that? The sign. <laughs> What sign? This oil-cloth sign which goes on your back. Wait, I'll unroll it. See? Classy,
3: huh? Read it. Barney style, sure or nifty. Look like this for
5: $13.50. <laughs> hey,
6: concise, ain't it? Yeah. All right, turn around on while I put it on your
3: back. This is preposterous. Riley, I never thought you'd sink so low as to rent out your poor old uncle's back as a billboard. Now, now, wait a minute, Baxter. I didn't know about the signs. Farney, you never said nothing about no sign. You said if I loaned this
6: food, I'd get advertising, didn't you? To me, that sign is advertising. And no leaning against walls, Turnbull. Keep walking, and not round-shouldered, neither. What I want is visibility. Baxter Turnbull, a sandwich man for a
3: second-hand store. Never... Just for that crack, I'm blackballing you employment it in the outdoor advertising profession. Now, Barney, can't we talk this over? our mind? Give me back the garment. As fast as I can. Yes, sir. And here. And here. Gee, I'm sorry, Uncle Baxter. Riley, I'll... how could you humiliate me this way? Well, I didn't know he wanted to hang a sign on your spine. <laughs> Retain those cuffs. Here, Mr. West, take your shabby rags and go. Yeah, beat it, Barney. Nobody's going to open up a second front on my uncle's back. Oh, no? Well, I'm going, sports.
6: I'm going, and here and after, don't contact me on my garments. I'm much too busy to have a... Boom. What happened, Barney? I tripped on one of the strings.
3: Well, Riley, this was a grim jest, I must say. I told you I didn't know about the sign. Why don't you get your own Easter clothes? Get a job, earn some dough, rent an outfit. Ridiculous. I can't find employment in one day. Haven't I been looking for 32 years? I could could get you a job in 10 minutes, I bet you. I accept the wager. Find me a job, and I will take it. Okay, wise guy. But if you fail, Riley, it must be understood that you will buy me an Easter outfit. It's a bet. In ten minutes, I'll either make you a workhorse, or I'll make you a clothes horse. <laughs>
2: Now Riley sets out to achieve the impossible, namely getting a job for Uncle Baxter, this is Ken Niles. I wonder how many millions of American families are having their traditional Easter dinner of baked ham today. You know, it's a grand and glorious feeling to be able to serve this fine Easter meat, and know that it only costs three ration points per pound. It's good to be able to keep up those happy traditions of Easter. Traditions like these are the bridge between the present day and the past, between war times and peace. There's another bridge that I'd like to talk about, one that's carrying an extra load these days. In fact, during the first quarter of 1944, the extra load carried by this bridge was nearly double the average for the first quarter in the five years prior to 1940. This bridge is your meat industry. You, our armed services and friendly allies are at one end of it, each with an appetite for meat and a need for the right kind of proteins that meat supplies so generously. At the other end of the bridge are millions of farmers and ranchers, livestock men who raise and fatten fine meat animals. Connecting those meat producers and you meat eaters is your meat industry, the meat packers who change meat animals into pork and beef, lamb and veal, ham, bacon and sausage, and your retail meat man who cuts them up into chops and roasts slices, and stews. In peace or war, no matter how heavy the demand, the bridge that your meat industry represents does its job, meeting the need of both our fighting forces and our civilians in the home. And now back to the life of Riley. It's a few minutes later and Riley is on the phone trying to get Uncle Baxter that job or else Riley loses his bet. Well, Riley,
3: you've made seven calls and no job for me yet. <laughs> God, I almost got you a job at the Delegatessen. Only Mr. Greenspreckle said he wouldn't hire any clerk. He'd have to weigh every time he wanted to take inventory.
5: <laughs>
3: time is fleeting, Riley. Why not admit you've lost? You owe me my Easter time. I ain't licked yet. There must be somebody in town who would hire you. Somebody who don't know you.
7: I'm coming right in, Mr. Riley, but I got too much work and no time to do it in.
3: Well, Sam Graham, the cleaning man. Yeah. Is that my wife's dress she had cleaned?
7: Yeah, take a look at me. Established 22 years, same location, and I got to do all of my own delivering. I can't get no help.
3: You hear that, Baxter? Surely, Riley, you don't think that Mr. I... Mr. Sam, yeah? you got a lot of stuff to deliver for Easter and you need help, right? Yeah. You got to have help. Yeah. In fact, you're desperate for some help. Yeah. How about hiring Uncle Baxter? No,
7: sir. Now, wait a minute, Sam. <laughs>
3: really, this is nonsense. I, a delivery boy? You said if I got you a job, you had to take it. Now, look, Sam, don't be hasty. You need help bad.
7: Well, I know, but... Uncle I
3: Baxter is a working fool. Look at him. Look at his arms. Like buggy whips, ain't they? I mean, they're long, see? By with arms that long, he could deliver ten coat hangers full all at once.
7: Yeah, but how about his legs? Can they take it?
3: Legs? Why, just come over here and feel the muscles in his legs. Uh, uh, Wait a minute now, there's got to be muscles here someplace. (laughs) (laughs) Riley, don't pull up my trouser leg. I refuse to be haggled over.
7: Well, Mr. Riley, I'll tell you, it ain't no bargain, but like you say, I'm up against it, so... Okay, so I'll take him on for one day till Easter.
5: That's the
3: stuff, Sam. This is high bindery. (laughs) Uncle Baxter leave me congratulate you. For one day at least, you have retired from unemployment.
5: Good morning, Riley, and happy Easter.
3: (sighs) Happy Easter, Dumplin'.
1: Did you have a hard night at the plant, dear? Yeah.
3: Yeah, but by giving up my sleep last night, I get all today off to do whatever I want to do.
1: You deserve a day off. What are you going to do? Sleep. <laughs> well, take a bath first and eat some breakfast.
3: Nah. No, nah, I'll just take a nap on the couch here to get up enough strength to go to bed.
1: <laughs> oh, you don't want to lie down in those dirty old work clothes?
3: Ah. Uh. Okay, then just stand me up in a corner someplace. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm so tired, nothing could keep me awake.
1: Did Uh you hear about Uncle Baxter?
3: Oh, Oh, what's he done now?
1: Well, it looks as if he made good delivering for Sam.
3: Did he make good enough to rent a suit for the Easter parade?
1: He must have. He's in his room getting all togged out in something. He's sure he's going to win that prize.
6: Well, children, how do you like my Easter ensemble?
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, it's lovely, Uncle Baxter. That cutaway coat and those striped trousers.
3: Uh-huh. Riley, how do you like this yellow vest? Oh, fine. It's the first time I ever seen a double-breasted sunset.
5: <laughs>
3: well,
5: I gotta catch a little
3: shut-eye on the couch. Well, I'm off to give the populace a sartorial thrill. Go out and win, Uncle Baxter. A biento, Riley. A babe. Good
1: luck, Uncle Baxter.
5: Good luck.
6: Oh,
1: goodness. He's asleep already. Ah.
7: Riley. Mr. Riley, wake up, Mr. Riley. It's Sam Graham, the cleaning
3: man. I'm I'm pleased to meet you. Come back next week.
7: (laughs) Mr. Riley, i got to see you. Mr. Riley.
3: Riley? I think he's here someplace. Riley?
7: That's me. Mr. Riley, (sighs) this morning I wake up, my doorbell starts ringing. A client. He wants his cutaway coat. Then my doorbell starts ringing again. Another client. He wants his striped pants.
3: Somewhere lately i seen striped pants in a cutaway.
7: Yeah. Then my doorbell rings again. Another client. Where is his yellow vest?
3: A yellow (laughs) vest? A yellow vest? Yeah. It's all coming back to me now. You mean Baxter delivered them clothes to himself?
7: (laughs) Mr. Riley, if them clothes are lost.
3: Now, wait a minute, Sam. They ain't lost because I know just where they are.
7: Where? On Uncle Baxter. Riley, I'm holding you responsible. You made me hire
3: him. Sam, you got a car out there? Yeah, my delivery truck. Then deliver me down to the boulevard. I'll get them clothes back for you, Sam. And when I get through, Uncle Baxter will finish the Easter parade in his union suit. Oh, stunning, Baxter. Simply
1: stunning. In your case, the man makes the clothes.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, my dear Matilda. When one has a large wardrobe like mine, I feel... Uh, uh, by the way, you haven't seen one of those camera johnnies about, have you? I so despise publicity. <laughs> oh, no,
1: I haven't. Oh, Baxter, dear, are you busy Tuesday? <laughs> I'm giving a tea to Lady Patricia Flick. Oh,
3: tea? How oh, jolly. I shall be delighted to nibble at a scorn with you.
1: Oh, dear me. There's some perfectly awful-looking men coming behind us in a delivery van.
3: Ignore them, shall we?
1: I think they're following us. The idea in a dry cleaner's van.
7: What? A dry cleaner? Let's walk a little faster, shall (laughs) we? Hey,
1: wait a minute. Baxter, is that person in those greasy overalls addressing
5: us? Let's hurry on. Wait a
3: minute. Wait a minute, Mr. Yellowfest. I would like to have a few words with you alone. Run along, my poor fellow. I'll see you later. You'll see me now. If you don't, my uncle's going to be in very big trouble.
5: Get the coat! Get the coat! (laughs) Well, is, is...
1: Is that strange man in the truck your uncle?
3: Oh, no, madame. He's after my uncle. On account of my uncle borrows clothes that people don't want to lend him. I'm sure if you give your uncle a chance, he'll return the clothes shortly. Come along, Matilda. Uh, uh, uh,
5: Get the bed. Get the bed.
3: <laughs> okay, Uncle Baxter. You can't take a hint, so take off them clothes.
5: Uncle Baxter, Miss.
1: Are sure you the one they mean?
3: Certainly not. I...
1: Don't
7: forget the pants! Don't forget the pants! <laughs>
3: Take them off back there. Riley, please, I beseech you, in the street. Give Riley? Me a time. Riley!
1: Oh, you do know him. Well, never mind Tuesday's tea, Mr. Turnbull. You'd feel out of place. The guests are wearing their own clothes. Hey, Riley, uh, get
7: him into the truck.
1: I, 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 don't grab the lapel!
3: Riley, how could you disgrace me like this? Come on, Baxter, or do I have to drag him? Get his feet, sir. Wait, wait, stop. Here comes the cameraman. I can still win the prize. Riley, take your hands off me. Okay, but just for the picture. Oh, boy, this is the picture of the day. Hold it, gents. I'm Smile, Baxter. Uh, (laughs) He got it. I sure did, mister. And if you want to see it, buy the next edition of the Inglewood Tribune. (laughs)
4: here every night and drops off bundles of papers.
3: Excellent. I'll get the first copy. No, I'll get the first copy. It's my nickel. But it's my picture. I won the contest.
4: Here comes the trick now.
3: Yes, and I could certainly use that $200 prize.
1: Get back, Mom. They heave them out without stopping. There's the bundle,
3: And there's my picture right on the front page. Wait a minute. I'll, I'll cut the string. Yes, sir. There's your picture, all right.
1: And here's the story beside it. Hey, wait a minute.
3: Look. I'm in the picture, too. you uh, might have ruined everything, Riley. As it is, you mar the effect of my appearance, standing there in front of me in your shabby work clothes.
1: Read what the story says, <laughs> Riley.
3: It says, uh, it says, Picture at left shows this Easter's best-dressed man. The winner of the Tribune's $200 prize is the man in overalls. If this war worker will call at the Tribune office, he will receive his check. Peg. Hey, you read it. I'm, I'm getting
5: dizzy. Hot ziggity! Let's see.
1: In a country at war, every minute on the job counts. And because this citizen's work-stained garb shows that he had been at his job yesterday instead of strutting like a peacock and wearing out valuable shoe leather, the judges have decided that he is their unanimous choice for this year's best-dressed man. Oh, Riley, really, isn't it wonderful?
5: Oh, yes, yeah, it's, it's great.
1: I can see it all
3: now. A whole new career. My picture in all the magazines. (laughs) Riley in morning overall. Riley in afternoon overall. Riley in evening overall.
5: Riley in beach overall. Well, don't go
2: away, folks. The Riley's will be back in just a moment. Here is a message regarding the food on your table that the American Meat Institute is glad to bring you at the request of our government. Your today's dinner was made possible by the skill and labor of men and women on American farms. Much of this is year-round labor, feeding and caring for meat animals, tending dairy herds, keeping the land in shape for the growing season. But as the sun creeps steadily farther north and the days warm, the routine of planting, growing, and harvesting begins again throughout the land. The 30 million men, women, and children regularly living and working on farms, no matter how great their devotion to their country and their calling, can't do the job alone. Four million extra workers, a half a million more than last year, will be needed to lend them extra hands at some time or other in this 1944 growing season. So when the call comes from your county extension agent for high school boys and girls to enroll as Victory Farm volunteers... For women who will train and enroll as members of the Women's Land Army, or when a friend or relative on a farm asks your help for a week or for the summer, be sure that your community and you are ready to do your share in helping to meet the nation's wartime food goals. Feed for farm animals, food for your table, food for our fighters depend on this year's crops. Statements regarding the nutritional value of beets made on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association.
3: 200 bucks for not changing my clothes. Huh. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Correction, Riley. It seems you're a monkey's nephew.
6: <clears throat>
5: well,
6: the old order changes. Oh, well.
3: Riley, let me be the first to congratulate you. Your greasy hands, sir. <laughs> Uncle Baxter, that spoke like a man. Shake. And any time you want to dress up in real style after this, just look me up. You? You invite me to borrow your clothes? Oh, sure. I always got an extra pair of them overalls handy. And Uncle Baxter, everybody looks swell in overalls.
5: Of Riley
2: starring William Bendix and sponsored by the American Beat Institute will be back next week at this same time. William Bendix appears on this program by arrangement with Hal Roach. The Life of Riley was directed by Don Bernard with music by Lou Kosloff and came to you from Hollywood. This is Ken Niles saying, see you next week. The yardstick of protein foods because meat measures up to every protein need. The American Meat Institute presents The Life of Riley, a half hour with radio's friendliest family, and starring William Bendix as Riley. you buy shoes you want to know not only what size but also how well are they made to get the right kind of proteins into your meals you must know not only how much but also how good meat is the yardstick of protein foods because meat measures up to every protein need and now the life of riley a fine spring evening in the suburb of Los Angeles, where the Rileys live. War worker Riley has just returned to the bosom of his family and is receiving a communique on current events at home.
1: Hey, Pop, are you going to be busy after dinner?
3: I don't know, Junior. Why?
1: Well, you know that rabbit hut you built me? Yeah. Well, I think we've got to add some guest
3: rooms. Not don't, Junior. When I built you that hutch, I explained to you that it was only for one rabbit.
1: I know, Pop, but you should explain it to the rabbit. <laughs>
3: Say, uh, how's about starting dinner, Dumplin'? Just a minute, dear. What's your hurry? Uh, I'm just using strategy. Just once I want to reach for some meat without getting slashed by your Uncle Baxter.
1: (laughs) How you exaggerate. Uncle
3: Baxter isn't a big eater. Of course, he does like to nibble now and then. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen the way he nibbles. (laughs) This morning there was a foxhole in the chocolate cake.
1: Well, last night he had a headache. He thought a bite to eat would draw the blood from his head.
3: What we need is something to draw his head from the icebox.
1: (laughs) Oh, hello, Daddy. Hello, Dad. Dad, what were you
3: talking about when I came in? Well, I was saying that your mother's uncle is...
1: Never mind, Riley. Hmm.
3: No free speech anymore. (laughs) Well, my dear
6: children... Hello, Uncle Max.
5: Now, don't
3: tell me it's dinner time already.
5: (laughs) We
3: don't have to tell you, you got a stomach with a built-in clock. (laughs) Well, yes, working outdoors certainly does sharpen one's every time. Yeah. Uh, Uncle Baxter, tell me one thing. Did you pull up them weeds in the backyard? No, but I did something more important. I counted them. (laughs) You counted them? Precisely. Mm. The breeding habits of weeds fascinate me. There are 82 more weeds today than there were
5: yesterday. Baxter,
1: you promised Riley you'd weed the victory garden for
3: him. Oh, and so I shall, next week. Um, Until then, I shall be busy writing an article for Better Homes and Gardens, entitled, Take Heed, the Weed. (laughs) Baxter, if you don't get a job pretty soon, you're going to find moss growing on you. And then I'll write an article entitled, Take Hold, the Mold. (laughs)
1: Stop bickering, you uh, two! Uh, oh, I almost forgot, Uncle Baxter. Here's a letter came for you.
3: Oh, for me? Where's well, for my brother Buckley in New York? Excuse me, I must see what good old Buckley has to say.
1: Oh, What's uh, Uncle Buckley say?
3: Uh, we'll see as soon as I find my glasses. <laughs> if I know that big mouth, he'll have plenty to say.
1: Now, Riley, you only met Uncle Buckley once at our wedding.
3: What a chiseler! <laughs> I invite him to the wedding. He eats all the sandwiches, drinks all the charged water. Dances with all the Danes. Then, for a wedding present, he offers me a free chance on a punch board.
5: (laughs) He
1: meant to buy us a real gift later on, but you know, with Uncle Buckley, he'd have a thousand dollars one day and nothing the next day.
3: Well, I met him at Marksman the next day. (laughs) Children, children, great news. My brother Buckley's ship has come in at last. Listen to this Dear Baxter, Glad to hear how well you are doing with the Rileys. What he means is how well you are doing the (laughs) Rileys. I am now president of a million-dollar concern which is rapidly expanding. Could let you in on the ground floor, wish you were here to discuss. But of course you have your own large affairs to think of. Ah, that's the way it always was with Buckley. Have a thousand dollars one day and a million dollars the next. Hey, Baxter... hmm? If you was in New York, he'd give you a good job, wouldn't he? Yes, he does seem eager to have me by his side. (laughs) Uncle Baxter, I just had one of my greatest ideas. Seeing that Uncle Buckley needs you, why don't you go to New York? What, and leave you all to shift for yourselves? (laughs) Oh, no, I couldn't be so selfish.
1: But, Uncle Baxter, if it meant a new start for you, we wouldn't mind your going.
3: We'll be brave. But children, this little nest has become home to me Ah, this little nest will not miss one little bird (laughs) A
5: vulture (laughs) It would be the
3: making of you, Uncle Baxter New York, what a town The Empire State The Waldorf Astoria The Fulton Fish Market (laughs) Really,
1: Uncle Baxter hasn't enough money to go to New York. But he's going to
3: have. How? I've got a little dough saved up, and I'm going to use it to start Baxter climbing up the ladder of success to Uncle Buckley's ground floor. What do you say?
1: Oh, Riley, that's a wonderful idea.
3: You know, it does sound attractive. Huh? By Jove, I do. it. Atta boy, Uncle Baxter. Right after Grubb, you and me are going downtown and buy a ticket on the fastest train they've got. We've been in line here for three hours. Your next, Riley. Go on, speak out, uh, speak out. Yes, sir. Uh, what is it, please? Uh, we want a reservation for New York. Right? A drawing room will do. On your fastest train. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: what year do you want to go?
5: <laughs>
2: the best
3: trains are sold out months in advance. Next, please. Uh, have you any trains going to New York? Uh, any trains at all? Anything with a lower berth. Berth?
2: A... We haven't even got a chair for three
3: weeks. But my dear fellow, I've got to get to New York immediately. There must be some way. Sure. Can you operate a hand car?
5: <laughs> hey,
3: bud, how about a bus for New York?
6: Has anything with seats in.
5: <laughs>
6: <laughs> hey,
2: Joe. Here's a guy who wants a seat to New York.
5: <laughs>
6: We have pity. We've been all over town.
3: There's no way to get to New York. Maybe you could take a trolley. Keep asking for transfers. <laughs> look, look, there's a place. The Crow Flies Travel Bureau. I am not going to New York by Crow. <laughs> look at that sign. Go east by bus. Only $21. Come on, let's try this. This shabby place? How can they get me to New York for $21? Well, this guy can do it cheap because he's down at the basement and he ain't got no overhead except the street. Well, what'll it be, gents? The Crow Flyers Travel Bureau at your service. Uh, uh, Riley's my name. My uncle here wants to go to New York by bus. New York, eh? Yeah. You mean New York, New
5: York?
3: (laughs) Yeah, right outside of Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I'll get you to New York in a jiffy. I mean, for $21? Absolutely. I
7: don't believe it. Uncle, you're practically standing right in Times Square. Now, let's see. Uh, where are we now? Uh, well, that's a nice way to start. We're in Los Angeles. Okay. We start from Los Angeles, and we jump you over the pothole of Texas. Texas? So
3: far, south? Texas. This is a place I always wanted to see. Uncle Baxter, you're a lucky guy. And from Texas, he goes right to New York, huh? Well, practically. Mm-hmm.
7: In Texas, he hops a different bus, which shoots him right through to painted hat Oklahoma,
3: where uh, he has a four-day hangover. Got <laughs> up, boy, Uncle Baxter. You'll be seeing America through bloodshot eyes. Four days? Well, can't you get me quicker connection? Why, sure, Uncle
7: certainly. I can reroute you to Wishing Well, Missouri, which will save you 20 minutes. Then, only three days later, we whisk you over to
3: Pig's Eye, Kentucky. Pig's Eye. There's a place I always wanted to see. The old South.
5: Yep. Yeah. And
3: from Kentucky, the next jump is up the good old Mississippi River. Ain't that romantic? A bus up the Mississippi River. Can he leave tomorrow? Sure, but it ain't a bus, it's a boat. I can't ride on a boat, I'd be seized. Ah, oh, why, just think of them moonlight nights on the Mississippi. With the banjo twanging and the nice cool glass of that crinoline. <laughs> Uncle Baxter, you'll be a new man when you get off the boat in Chicago. Riley, the Mississippi does not run through Chicago. Well,
7: that's right. The boat takes you up to Cairo, Illinois. And? Get this, man, No waiting at all. I shoot you up the Ohio River on a launch. But, 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 and in no time at all, you're safe and sound in Custer's Crossing, Missouri.
3: No crow ever flew like this. No, but now you're in Custer's Crossing. And don't forget, this trip is only $21. Yes, I know, but how, may I ask, do I get out of Custer's Crossing? Hey, can you row a boat, Uncle? No, I cannot row a boat.
7: I want a bus
5: to get to New York.
7: New York? Ain't that kind of an out of the way place? Look, I'm sorry, mister. We don't have any connections, for I didn't pass this crossing.
3: Don't forget, there's a war going on. Then I'll wait till it's over. You can't do that. Uncle Buckley's waiting for you in New York. Riley, when you can offer me a direct route to New York, I will go. Until then, I will be forced to remain in your small and not too comfortable guest. Ain't them relatives murder Mr. Riley? Yeah, he's been a grindstone on my neck for two years. Well, to me, what? Listen,
7: for five bucks, I know a voodoo woman who'd sell you, go away, powders.
5: (laughs) (laughs) They're
3: great on relatives. Uh Oh, no, thanks, just the same. Look, (laughs) why don't you just lock them out? I couldn't do that. You see, he done me a favor once. Two years ago, he gave me a pint of blood. Yeah. And ever since then, he's been taking it back, drop by
5: drop. <laughs> Time
2: out from the life of Riley. This is Ken Niles, as spokesman for your meat industry. Today, if you took a trip through farm country in almost any part of our nation, you would see lush spring grasses growing taller and richer, The green fields of the western ranges, the bluegrass of Kentucky, clover and alfalfa, and dozens of other forage crops in field and pasture. There, growing in those fields, is an important part of your next winter's food supply. No, nobody is planning to make you eat grass or clover or alfalfa. The finely bred meat animals of our country's ranges and pastures and farmyards turn this grass into roasts and steaks and chops. Cattle, sheep, and hogs make grasses into meat. Some livestock, then, is fed grains and other finishing feeds before they move on to market. On to the bridge, which is your meat industry. On that bridge, they are changed into fresh meat, canned meat, ham and bacon, sausage, lard, and into hundreds of byproducts needed both for industry and for war. Off the bridge, that is the meat industry, they move through the retailers to your homes or to the military depots to chip food on to our fighters. In bridging the gap between the livestock producers and civilian needs for meat in times of peace, your meat industry has built itself strong enough to serve the needs of both workers and fighters in time of war. And now back to the life of Riley. Four hours have passed, but to Riley it only seems like a year because Uncle Baxter is still on his hands.
1: Don't take it so hard, Riley. Something may turn up.
3: Oh, I don't know, Dumpling. All day long at the plant I couldn't get it out of my mind. I was working on a big bomber and I kept thinking if only I could smuggle that plane out of the plant, we could fly Uncle Baxter to New York.
1: Smuggle out a big bomber?
3: Daddy! <laughs> I know it's a nutty idea where you're going to get gas today, huh?
1: in the paper. Oh, what's it say to you? It's in the social notes. It says, Baxter Turnbull, prominent West Coast magnate, will be super chiefing at L.A. today to join his brother Buckley Turnbull, well-known New York industrialist.
3: Super chiefing out. He ain't even bussing out. <laughs> Bob, what's this West Coast magnet? That's another name for Santa Monica Beachcomber. <laughs> Look at them suitcases of Baxter's. Standing there so near the door, so near, and yet still here.
4: Hey, Pop. There must be some way to get Uncle Baxter out of town.
3: Not a chance. One time, I even thought of trying to mail him back.
1: What an idea! He'd be covered with stamps. He wouldn't cost so much. Third class.
3: He'd have to go first class. He's writing on him. He's got memories of Mabel tattooed on his chest.
6: Well, my dear children,
3: Junior, hide your piggy bank. Here comes that West Coast magnet. Well, children, I've tried all day, still no transportation. So if I stay a few more weeks, you won't think I'm imposing, will you?
4: Well,
1: since you can't get away, you're welcome to stay, Uncle Baxter.
3: Thank you, Margaret. Thank you, Riley. I didn't say nothing.
5: (laughs) Be serene, Riley. Count your blessings.
3: Well, I'll unpack my bags again, eh? Call me when dinner's ready, won't you? Just unpack some pajamas and a toothbrush. I ain't giving up hope yet. I sure thought next time them bags moved, I'd see him going the other way. Well,
1: Dad, help me carry the dinner into the dining room, will <laughs> you? Yes, Mother.
4: You, Riley? It's me, Waldo Benny. Oh, hello, Waldo, come on in. Hey, Waldo,
3: how come that wife
4: of yours let you out of the house? Riley, when you got a wife like mine, you got to use strategy. Yeah. This is the night she plays gin rummy with her aunt Gussie and you know what I did? No. This afternoon, I stole the ace, king, and jack. So they had to send me out for a new deck of cards. That's using the old noggin, Waldo. Oh, I've been doing that for almost a year now. (laughs) I always take different cards. Pretty soon I'll have a whole deck of my own, and then I can play solitaire. (laughs) (laughs) Waldo, when a man's outnumbered at his house, he gets to be pretty foxy, huh? Riley. I came to offer my sympathy. Uh, I hear your uncle isn't leaving after all. Ah,
3: the 7 year itch is still with us.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Riley, I have a way to get your uncle out of town.
3: Waldo, if you can
4: show me how to get back through a trip to New York, I'll never forget you. I can do it. I'm an expert on traveling. On account of someday, I'm going to run away myself. What? I knew I could never get away on a train or bus. It'd sure. Yeah. So I've kept in touch with another way out. What way? Every day of the week, somebody drives back east. Last week, there were 17 departures by Otto. This week, it fell off to 12, but then... Now, not, get... never
3: mind how many went. Is there one more going?
4: Yes. Yes, sir. There's one going tonight, right through to New York. And there's room for one more passenger in that car, Riley. Waldo, that one more is going to be my Uncle Baxter. Come on, go phone the carpool.
3: Tell him to come and pick up Baxter right away. Pleasure. Baxter,
4: come in here.
6: Hey,
3: Baxter. Hey. Junior, don't unpack their pajamas. Riley, what's wrong? What's wrong? Nothing, nothing. Everything's Jake. Uncle Baxter, goodbye. I, 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 I mean, listen. I got a way to get you to New York in a guy's car. But this is so soft. So, so, so. Where'd Riley? Have? What's up?
5: Daddy, what's happening? Peg,
3: wish Uncle Baxter luck. He's leaving. I am. Junior, bring back his bags. He's leaving tonight. Okay. Bags, kiss your Uncle goodbye. He's going any minute. Oh. Uncle Baxter, meet me. This is the smartest decision you ever made. Bags! <laughs> Here is an important event, and time is getting short. Uh, this being a farewell beefsteak banquet, only with lamb stew. We all want to say goodbye to Uncle Baxter. I'll be the toast mixer. Uncle Baxter being guest of honor, we got to let bygones go by and say something nice about him, even if it ain't so. Okay. <laughs> now, first, I'm calling on a young lady who has been a member of this family all her life. I think she's kind of cute. I give you. My favorite daughter, Miss Fad's Riley.
1: Oh, Daddy. I don't know what to say except, well, goodbye, Uncle Baxter, and and we hope you have a great success in New York, and good luck, and... Oh, dear, I'm really going to miss you, Uncle Baxter.
5: Thanks, my dear. I'm
3: touched, really. Nah, nah, no weeping until Uh, he gets in the car to go. uh, (laughs) Here, Uncle, have a cigar. Thank you. Have two cigars, one for the trip. Here, let me bite off the end for you, Uncle Baxter. You overwhelmed me, Riley. Now I don't feel like going at all. Then you better bite off the end yourself.
5: <laughs> now,
3: now the next speaker is a young man who is a gentleman and not much of a scholar. My favorite son, I give you Chester A. Riley, Jr.
2: Well, uh uh, unaccustomed
1: as I am to public speaking, I just want to say that what the last speaker says is what I want to say. Uh, especially goodbye, Uncle Baxter. Uh, I mean, good luck, Uncle Baxter. Hold <laughs> on, oh, wait, I ain't through yet. And I hope you make a million bucks with Uncle Buckley.
3: Thank you, my boy. And in response, I can only. Wait a minute, it ain't your turn yet. The next speaker is a lady who is not only Uncle Baxter's niece, but is the best cook in 48 states. My favorite wife, I give you, Mrs. Peg Riley. <laughs>
1: Oh, dear. I... Well, Uncle Baxter, we... we've we loved having you here with us, and we'll miss you terribly. And and I wish you'd change your mind, Uncle Baxter, and stay here. And now the
3: next speaker.
5: <laughs>
3: I am now introducing our guest of honor. He's a Harvard man on account of he was kicked out of Yale.
5: <laughs>
3: your uncle and mine, I give you, and you can have him, Baxter's <laughs> first
2: Mr. Toastmaster, my dear friends, I am almost at a loss for words. However, since brevity is the soul of wit, I shall
3: only say for all you've done for me, a thousand thanks. One for each meal. (laughs) And in appreciation, I have a little gift for each of you. A small expression of my deep affection. Mr. Peg, Riley, Mab, Junior. Treasure them till we meet again at our reunion banquet in my penthouse in New York City.
1: Oh, Uncle Baxter, you bought us all present?
3: Oh, well, gee, we, we didn't expect nothing like this.
1: Oh, well, I've got mine unwrapped. What is it? Look, it's a picture of Uncle Baxter.
5: Oh,
1: <laughs> how nice. I, I wonder what mine could yeah, be.
5: Uh,
1: Why, mine's a picture of Uncle Baxter, too. Uh, uh, what's yours, Junior? A picture of Uncle Baxter. Just what I needed. <laughs> What's yours, Pop?
3: What do you think? (laughs) Uncle Baxter, when we look at your mug, your absence will be missed. And now for my speech. I got a little poem which I wrote up out of my own head. This poem was wrote a year ago, so as to be ready for this event when you finally moved out. (laughs) Let's hear it. Adios, Uncle Baxter. It's time for us to part. There's a great big lump of sadness in the middle of my heart. Farewell, dear Uncle Baxter. It's time to say goodbye. But if you say you're going to stay, I'll poke you in the eye. <laughs> hey,
5: Bob, there's the car out there. Yeah, come on,
3: Baxter. Get his bags, Junior. Here's your you,
5: you hat, Uncle
1: Baxter.
3: No, no, no. We're not going to a fire. Huh?
7: Here's
1: your box. Come Bye, on. Honey. Come on. I'm pulling at my sleeve.
3: Come
7: <laughs> on.
6: get in. I'm four and one-half minutes behind my schedule.
3: Get in, Uncle Baxter. One moment. Is this the car in which I am to travel 3,000 miles, a small convertible coupe? What's the difference? It'll be cozy. Oh,
1: but, Riley, it's crowded already. It's full of luggage and people.
5: Plenty of room.
3: Jump right in. Am I expected to sit on the lady's lap,
5: sir? No,
3: no, Baxter. You sit on the outside because you get off first at 42nd and Times Square. <laughs> All right, move over, Bessie. Get in, brother. Yeah, go on, get in, Baxter. I
7: am endeavoring to wedge
3: oh, myself in, Riley. Huh. Madam, I am Baxter Turnbull. Ah, uh, we got plenty of time to get acquainted. Shut the door, brother. I'll shut it. There you are, Uncle Baxter. Uh, here, hold your suitcase on your lap, Dad. <laughs> okay, mister. Oh, give uh, our love, to Uncle Buckley. Oh. Goodbye, Uncle Uncle Baxter. Goodbye, Uncle, Uncle, Uncle Baxter. Hold your hat crossing the Rockies. <laughs> No use waving no more, Dumplin'. The car's out of sight. I'm going in the house now and count the rooms.
5: Riley, you know, it's...
1: It's going to seem strange without him.
5: Yeah. Listen.
3: Ain't the house nice and quiet? And look, my Morris chair. Now any time I want to sit in it, I can walk to it. Without having to race him for it.
1: Dear. i got to get
3: acquainted with my Morris chair all over again. Good evening, Morris. My name's Riley. Remember me? Well,
1: for goodness sake, talking to an old chair.
3: Morris understands me, okay? Ah, <laughs> uh, this is living. He's gone. The leech who just dropped in for a couple of days and stayed two years. Peg. Peg, the door. The door, he's back. Why, he can't be. He, he didn't like that car. He made them bring him back.
4: Yeah,
6: go ahead,
3: Junior.
4: Oh, hello. Relax, Pop. It ain't Uncle Baxter.
3: Oh, boy, what a relief. Who is it, Junior? Who is it? <laughs> Why, Riley, it's me.
6: Your old Uncle Buckley, fresh from New York.
5: <laughs>
1: Uncle Buckley? How in the a little world A
6: surprise for you, my dear children. I just stopped in to spend a couple of days with you. Uh, my trunks will be here in the
3: morning. Ah, this is (laughs) restful. Mike, look! Already he's got my Morris chair!
2: The Rileys will be back in just a moment. Perhaps you housewives would like some suggestions on the best point values in meat, which are effective today for the month of May. The American Meat Institute suggests all types of sausage are especially point thrifty. For example, pork sausage makes a fine meal served with fried apple rings or cornmeal mush, broiled tomatoes or orange slices. Bacon, too, is something you can use more of now that it's going to remain only one point a pound during the month of May. You can have it with your breakfast pancakes or waffles or wrap it around your meat patties or use it as a part of a main dish for luncheon or dinner. Pork is one of the best ways of getting more B vitamins into our diet. And pork, like all meats, is an excellent source of the right kind of proteins, the kind that do so much for growth and tissue rebuilding. Yes, meat is the yardstick of protein foods. Because meat measures up to every protein need. All statements regarding the nutritional value of meat made on this program are accepted by the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association.
1: you finished supper, Uncle Buckley.
6: Oh, excuse me, my dear Elise. I'll just have another piece of your delicious pie. Mm. Another piece? Be serene, Riley. counts your blessings. Ah. ah, wonderful wife you have. Wonderful pie she bakes.
1: Uh, oh, but Uncle Buckley, you still haven't told us why you came to Los Angeles. Oh, that?
6: Yeah. Well, the way I see it, New York is finished. Done. Soon it'll be a veritable ghost town.
3: The future belongs to the Great West. Uncle Buckley, what about that million-dollar business you had in New York? What business?
6: Oh, 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 yes. Oh, yes. Well, you see, my dear Riley, my correspondence in that concern was voluminous. Tremendous. When when postal rates
3: went up recently, it wiped out my entire reserve. (laughs) Uncle Buckley, we might as well start right now. We can't invite you here with us more than a couple of days. We ain't going to have room. Oh, my dear fellow, I'll just rough it in Baxter's
6: old room.
3: No, you won't, Uncle Buckley. The only reason we kept your brother Baxter in that room for two years, he'd done me a big favor once. He'd give me a pint of his blood two years ago. His blood? It will
6: interest you to know that four years
3: ago, I gave Baxter a pint of blood.
6: Yes, Indeed. As I see it, you have my blood in your veins, nephew Rodney.
3: Hey, hey, you hear that? For two years, Baxter's been making me pay for that blood. And all the time, he was nothing but the middleman.
2: Well, Uncle Baxter's gone, but it looks like Uncle Buckley will be an even sharper thorn in Riley's side. Follow The Life of Riley, starring William Bendix and sponsored by the American Meat Institute, next week at this same time. Uncle Baxter was played by Hans Conried. The program was directed by Don Bernard with music by Lou Cosmo. William Bendix appears by arrangement with Hal Roach. This is Ken Niles inviting you to share The Life of Riley once again next
0: week. I hope you enjoyed those two back-to-back episodes of The Life of Riley, brought to you by the suggestion of our listener, Mandy Spanner of Peoria, Illinois. Thank you very much, Mandy. And if you'd like to suggest a show for a future episode of this podcast, or just leave us a super flattering compliment, visit us at anchor.fm slash old radio comedy podcast and click on the leave a message button and, well, leave a message. That's it for this hump day happy hour edition. Please tune in next time for another episode of the old radio comedy podcast. And remember, pie is better than cake. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks so much for
5: listening. La 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 la, la 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 la. Yay!